everyone and welcome to the Koala Club podcast, a podcast made by and for international students in Australia. I am Kevin and I am Trang and we talk about everything education, work and lifestyle for overseas students in Australia. Hi guys, welcome back to the Koala Club podcast. Today we'll be sharing the second part on the topic of casual and part-time work in Australia. In this episode, Kevin will be sharing his own casual work experience and we will be covering valuable tips that we've learned along the way and what you need to look out for when you're working casually and also tips on building effective resumes and interview skills. Enjoy! Okay, so now I'm excited to hear about your experience. Kevin, why don't you enlighten us with your experience? Thanks, John. I'll get a little bit sip of water because it's gonna be a long. <laughs> it's gonna be a long episode. <laughs> yeah. So about my casual work experience, like I said, I arrived to Australia when I was 15. So there were actually quite a few too many jobs that I have been through. In here, I just pick like the main jobs that I highlighted, and a lot of other jobs that I did, but it's quite similar to these jobs. So I just go over these main ones. I remember my first ever job in uh, Australia is working at uh, McDonald's, a uh, fast food chain restaurant that I'm sure everybody knows. I applied to this position uh, online via just a McDonald's portal, career portal. And luckily, uh, McDonald's relatively near my uh, homestay during that time had a position open. I ended up working there in McDonald's in St. Susie as a back kitchen staff or kitchen hand staff. So the main task is literally like like everyone was just making a meme, flipping burgers, but <laughs> it's um it's more than that. We prepare all the ingredients, uh, you restocking things, and uh, yeah, you cook meat and you cook burger and you you know you you make burger, you fry chips. Um, but overall, it's a it was a really enjoyable experience because I got to learn a lot about multitasking, teamwork and uh, working under high pressure. Condition-wise, it's actually, a, I reckon it's actually a really good job for international students to start with as their first job because McDonald's is a really big fast food chain, right? So everything, you would have like a contract, you would have a certain pay grade. And like I said, one of the perks is every year at your birthday, you got a pay raise because of your age. So it's kind of like a birthday present, right? I, if I remember correctly, I think it was maybe $2 or sometimes even $3 per hour more. I worked in there for like three years when I was 15 to when I was nearly 18. I start with maybe 10 or $11 an hour. And I ended up with when I was 17 at about 17 or $18 per hour. So I think that is a pretty good pay for international students and for students in general. So I really enjoy that uh, job in McDonald's. So does that mean that you have or you know the recipes to all the McDonald's food on the menu? And can I contact <laughs> you about that? Yeah, yes and no, because um, you know, I don't want to say, I, I don't know if it's considered bad things, but probably people is publicly knowledge as well. A lot of uh, the stuff in McDonald's was well frozen stuff. So like when you mm-hmm. look at those meat parties in your burger, you thought it's like, oh, it's fresh, just freshly cooked, but it's actually frozen. So there are yeah. boxes, boxes of frozen meat parties and they have this grill 
when you just lower the hatch in there and then you you know you uh, when they finish cooking it turned out to be a perfect meat party so <laughs> so there was no ingredients or like oh yeah you add a little bit of maybe salt and pepper but that's about it and um, all the sauce as well like ketchup mustard is all imported and ready to go in pre-pack package mm-hmm. so um i i kind of know what goes inside what burgers or their chips uh, but it's frozen chip as well so uh, in a way they keep their recipe really secret so you can't you know <laughs> take that away with you in any way mm. yeah so yeah but that's that's really impressive that you your first ever job was at mcdonald's because mm. they are known for like training their staff really well and yeah they, developing yeah. your I guess interpersonal yeah. skills and working yeah. skills as you mentioned multitasking and working with your team and working under a high pressure environment so I think that was a really mm. good start for you and yep. but do you think with international students do you know if there's any hinder or any obstacles to international students applying for jobs at McDonald's because I don't know if it's my perspective but I always see a lot of domestic students mm. or dom- domestic like Australian teenagers working yep. at McDonald's? Well, the biggest barrier I uh, I see is a language barrier. So like when you go to for interview, if you're not that confident and and if, you're, if you can't really speak English fluently or can't really communicate clearly, sorry, you, you don't have to speak English fluently like a local students. When they call you in for an interview, they know from your application that you're an international student, overseas students already. So they wouldn't expect that high level of uh, English in you, but you need to be able to communicate clearly and you need to be able to like understand what other people say uh, really quick and effective because uh, in the kitchen you have little, little time to react and you have little time because you always have customer pushing and the line pushing. So yeah, I would say uh, be confident and uh, practice your English, especially in communication clearly and in listening and understanding what other people say in a high-paced uh, environment. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. a plus. So during those times, I also worked as a kitchen hand at some Greek restaurants in Brighton Lisens. That's where I actually live. A friend of my homestay family was a head chef in one of the uh, famous Greek restaurants there. And he introduced me to the boss, to the owner, and got me a role as a kitchen hand. So with McDonald's, it's because it's casual, right? So it's not like every week you've got the same hours. Uh, some weeks you may have little as little as like four or five hour shift. So I use this job to kind of fill up the hours in the 40 hours per fortnight. So I can work to the max and, you know, earn the most that I can. These kitchen hand roles are really interesting as well. Because even though it's kitchen hand similar to McDonald's, but not everything is like pre-made, not everything is frozen. So you got to learn with a lot of making stuff and prepare stuff for freshly cooked meals. I couldn't say that I succeed with this role because um, like I don't think I was a good kitchen hand by any means. I probably was an alright one, but these jobs did teach me a lot of things about cooking. So my my cooking skill was probably zero. <laughs> when I arrive and after this job is probably up to a four or a five hour ten. Well, you shouldn't undermine that because it's quite common for international students to come to Australia with zero cooking skills, mm. myself included. And if you get roles as kitchen hands, then you're 
you're forced to learn how to yeah, cook and how yeah. to prepare ingredients. Yeah, and the benefit is like for your personal benefit too. So definitely don't undermine it and definitely helps you mm. get to where you are today. You can make meals for yourself. And yeah. that's very important because you, you need to have good meals to succeed in life. And Yeah, I know, right? And and uh, and I think these jobs, kitchen hands, either at a fast food chain restaurants or in a private restaurants, they really teach you about the importance of hard work, and they really make you appreciate the value of hard work and the value of money because it is really hard to earn money through this job because the the work is really hard, the pay is okay, it's not exceptionally high, so all the dollars that you earn is really have to be hard earned so i remember with this kitchen hand jobs in the greek restaurants one day they were short of people so i think i started at 10 a.m i finished my shift about 5 or 6 p.m but then the other restaurant so the restaurant nearby which is also owned by this owner was short of kitchen hand stuff so they called me and they said can you uh, work in this restaurant for this night shift and i say okay i can and uh, i jump in it straight away and so that that full day i start from 10 a.m i finish about 3 a.m because the other the other restaurant is like a dessert restaurant so everyone they finish quite late at like 12 or 12 a.m or 1 a.m and then you have to do cleanup for one hour or so those days really made me uh, appreciate the value of hard work and appreciate how many people out there that have this job still and work really really hard so that you know we can consider ourselves lucky to have our jobs these days and um, doesn't matter what kind of jobs you have if you can you know make certain uh, if you can make decent money so i think you would appreciate that yeah do you think the same way about this child yeah for sure because after experiencing firsthand what hard work is like like being on your feet all day and serving customers and not not all customers are happy. So yeah. you, you learn to deal with that as well. And definitely I've had the same experience where now I look back and I think I've learned a lot from experiencing that firsthand and I appreciate more. Like when I go out to restaurants, I really appreciate all the waitresses and the cashiers serving me because I know what it was like in that position. So definitely make me appreciate their work even more. So if there's anything we took away from that is that we value hard work and we definitely value the dollar value that we earn from that hard work too. Yeah, definitely agree. And that leads me to, you know, my, my third job is, is kind of a, a big step up for me was um, I was hired to work as a librarian or library assistant at my high school library. Before that, I never thought that this could be possible, you know, because I, um, it's a funny story, but I was probably a regular student in the library in my high school, um, not just for study. And they have, because it's a kind of a private international school and the majority of students were international students in that school. So they have a section in the library where they dedicated to kind of let you practice English when they have books, English fiction book, DVDs, a lot of DVDs uh, about uh, recent movies. So students can borrow those DVDs and uh, watch at home. And they have um, also like other um, entertainment, like uh, one I particularly like is they have these chess bots. And uh, we used to have a group of friends, me and uh, a few other friends who always come to the library and borrow the chess board and, and play it in that sections. Now, that section is not quite need to be that quiet. 
but still it's a library. So you need to be quiet so other sections can study. Um, but you know, during the heat of the, of, of the chess games, uh, we may get um, more than once a little bit too loud. And uh, we used to have this head librarian. I remember he's a very tall guy, uh, very tall man. He was bald, he had no hair, I, I, but it just make him look so serious. And uh, he always came to our group, our uh, space uh, and reminded us that do not be too loud. Probably once or twice that even though that he reminded us, we were still too loud and he kicked us out of the library. <laughs> so um, bear in mind, I was 15 and 16, so I didn't know any better. <laughs> so when the school kind of advertised this library assistant position on their website, I saw it and I said, oh, I probably like it. I just give an apply, but I didn't really expect to be accepted or even got an interview because, well, the, in my head anyway, the librarian hated me <laughs> because he knew my face very well and he kicked me out of the library a couple of times because I was too loud playing chess. Um, so to my surprise, I got an interview and I came to the interview very nervous, of course, and uh, it was the head librarian himself and another lady that were interviewing me and both of them work in a the library. They would very, be very professional and ask me all kinds of questions, uh, why you like the role and all that. So I just, you know, gave them uh, the truthful answer that I prepare. But all, all the time during the interview in my head, I was like, hopefully he doesn't recognize me. Like, I hope he doesn't recognize me. Please don't recognize me. <laughs> um, but I, I'm sure he, he, he did, you know, I'm sure he knew who I am. So after the interview, I thought to myself that I did not really good. And plus the fact that I got kicked out of the library a lot of the times, uh, I didn't really think I would get the job. But to my amazement, they called me and they said, you, yeah, you got the role and we think you'll be a good fit. So I was very, very surprised. And uh, I actually had a great and fantastic time working in a library because for one, I love reading. So And back in the time, I borrowed a lot of library books fictions and DVDs to practice my English. So I love reading about it. I love learning about the books in the library. I love assist. Uh, I love to help students to find their correct books that they're looking for. It's like once you look work in the library, it's get to the point like how you know in Bunnings when you walk in and you ask uh -huh. a worker like, oh, where you find this? And then they straight away they say, oh, I was 14, I was 12 or something. So it's like that, you know, and I don't know how I know, but every time they uh, a student come ask me, do you know where this biology book is or something like that? I say, yeah, it's in this hour, that hour. So it's really great. And um, I think at the end, um, once my my mom uh, came to Australia to visit me during my end of my year 11, so it was probably 2011, and uh, it was during Christmas time, we even got invited to come to a, like a Christmas uh, lunch lunch on you know Christmas lunch party of the library so full of our librarian staff myself and and my mom so it was really nice and heartwarming you know to see how and that taught me a valuable lessons as well that is uh, a lot of people may look you know tough and serious on the outside but they have a really warm heart in this case the head librarian I'm, I'm sure he knew me was a troublemaker but <laughs> For some reason, he still decided I'm going to be a good fit for the library uh, as a worker and he hired me anyway. So really appreciate that. Wow, what a lovely story. And it's really nice to hear that because, and it also shows that you need to be confident in yourself. Like mm. you may have predetermined 
I guess, impressions about someone and you think that they have an impression on you, but you never know until you try. So it's really good that you applied for the role, despite you thinking that maybe there's zero chance that I can get that role. But yeah. it worked out to be so good. And it's really great to hear that they were really nice to you and you really had a good time working there. And I'm a bit jealous because I love <laughs> reading too. And I've always wanted to have a chance to work in a library too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can do a career switch now and apply to Wollongong Library. <laughs> Adaptive <the> Library. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, Wollongong Uni, Uni Library. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, and I forgot to talk about the conditions. Uh, just to be transparent, that's really a step up from my first two jobs. So when I was when I accepted this role in library, I had to give a hard decision to stop working in the Greek restaurants with my friends because I can't fit in the 40 hours per fortnight. So I think I was working uh, like five hours per week in the library and then 15 hours per week in McDonald's. In the library, if I remember correctly, I was getting paid, I was getting paid probably $23 an hour. Back then, it was huge, you know, it was huge money for me. I didn't think it was possible at all. Just to put it in context, in McDonald's back then, I was getting paid probably $15, $15 an hour. And I thought that was good already. And after that, uh, it was 2013, I moved out to Wollongong to start my university bachelor degree. And my first job in Wollongong was when I start working again as a, a waiter in uh, one of the Vietnamese restaurants, back to $10 an hour. <laughs> no, actually $9, $9. Like you said, uh, I start working there $9 an hour at the start. And if you do good work, we will increase the wage. So same thing. I started at $9 an hour. I think after two months, I got paid bound to like $12 an hour. And uh, I was working as a waiter. No, I'm um, sorry. My first Yeah, first job still in Wollongong, still at a Vietnamese fashion. I was working as a kitchen hand. Uh, one mm-hmm. month in, I got fired. <laughs> Because, oh, may I ask why? Well, um, I don't think I was very good at kitchen hand. I think it was okay up in Sydney because I was working in a Greek restaurant and it was a, a different context. It was Western restaurants. So a lot of the cooking style is still quite commercially. I think each person have their different roles. Um, but in Vietnamese or Asian restaurants, mm-hmm. it's more versatile. So you expect yeah. to know more about uh, cooking and you expected to do a lot of other tasks, like multitask in the kitchen. And apparently I wasn't very good. But back then, um, my boss hired me, go something like this. Uh, she called me and she said, uh, look, your uh, timetable right now is not really suited because you're only available to work like two or three uh, days per week. So how about you just go home and then we call you when the timetable suit. And I myself naively believe that. And I went home. Uh, I told my housemate about the story, just like, yeah, okay. So she will not call me when uh, our timetable, you know, suit each other. And then, and then they said, congratulations, you just got fired. And I said, no, no, that's not what she said. You know, she told me that she's going to call me back. They just laugh and they say, yeah, okay, let's wait and see. Three weeks in, three months in, I didn't get a call. So I knew I got fired. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I feel like if you, you're you not doing a good job and your employer doesn't need you anymore, they should probably be honest and transparent with you and give you feedback points too and say, you need to work on these uh, skills. And yeah, yeah. 
that's the reason why we can't keep you instead of keeping you like hanging like that. And yeah. I think a lot of international students would feel that way too about some jobs because we're not born to be like experts in any field and mm. you need constant improvement. And I guess that's, it's sort of in a positive way, you've experienced that because you know what to avoid and what is not the right thing to do if you're an employer. And I guess that leads you to better jobs in the future. So I agree. Uh, I, I think we would prefer they to be transparent, like just tell us that we are not really a good fit and we would find jobs elsewhere and we would accept that, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, my, my next job would be uh, uh, being a waiter at another Vietnamese restaurant in the Gong. And this, like, like I said, is actually um, a little bit better. So I, I was there for, I think, six months or eight months, something like that. And what I like about the job is um, that, that restaurant in particular is right in Crowd Street, which is the center of the mall. It could be Crowd Street or Kira Street. So they got a lot of Australian customers. And um, being a waiter myself, I got to practice more my English and communication skills. And how to like sound professional when serving customer and how to handle like difficult situations arise in like say wrong order or the food spill on the floor or something. So you handle this difficult situation in the most professional way as possible. So yeah, that's what I like about the job. After that, I got a, a position as a cleaner. This is a part where I got a position as a cleaner in a bakery factory in Sydney. One of my friends uh, who was working there already, he um, referred me to the manager and got me the role. What this factory did is they manufacture like little muffins and cakes for airlines to be served on like international flights. It was really cool. It's not your regular bakery factory like you thought who just make normal bread, but they actually make these very nice, delicate muffins. Total time, I would say probably little over a year, maybe a year and three months. And during that time from cleaner, I got transferred to um, be in the process of making those muffins. So I was one of the worker who's actually mix and match the batch or packaging the muffin. I guess a big, big, big plus of that job is at the end of the day, you get to take home some of the leftover muffins. Sometimes they have too much leftover. You take in the whole tray back home and it's really nice cake. It's really nice cake. Well, that's really cool. And I definitely didn't know that you had that experience. And I feel like you had a somehow fate pushed you to work in like mm. all the food industry and I think that's really cool and it gives you the varied experience yeah yeah by the time you graduate yeah it definitely is and uh, I like it because well first it's good pay and um, it's really interesting to see the different process in terms of making muffins and making cakes and all that so were you sort of commuting from Wollongong to Sydney to work yeah, and what was, were your work hours yeah it was a I think it was a cinema I used to do just Friday afternoon. So when I finished uni around 11.30, I would just get on the train at like 12 or something and arrive at work about 1.30. That's when I start. And then 1.30 we start and we finish around 9.30 or 10. And then I catch another tra train back. So I, I was back home very late, maybe midnight or sometimes even later than that. The last train would take me home maybe 12.30. Oh, Wow. Yeah, it was a bit of a travel, but at the end, it's worth it because I think the pay was $27 an hour. So it was quite good. 
and those leftover but freshly made muffins and cakes. I actually brought them back home and back in the town, I was kind of, uh, I was dating my girlfriend, now wife. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually, I actually brought those uh, cake and muffin to her. She, she knew I was having that job and she loves those muffins. So I think that part lent me a wife and a kid now. So yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's a highlight. That's the biggest positive from that job. That's I, it. I can that's see it. Big, biggest, uh, biggest perk. <laughs> um, oh, also, I did, I, I haven't written in in the notes here, but um, that that same friend who introduced me to the the cleaning gig, um, actually, he was he was an amazing person, but he did a lot of job. He graduated and he has like two years post graduate to stay in Australia, and in those time he can work like unlimited hours, right? And he probably have like three or four jobs going on at the same time. Another job that he got me with him is to clean the windows of uh, luxury brands in Sydney. It was actually very, very fun. I never thought that I would have this job. I was living in Sydney temporarily during summer to do all these jobs with him. So we would wake up at 5.30 in an apartment in Kempsey, come on the first train. I remember he would buy us like uh, milk tea and bang me. Vietnamese bread roll for breakfast so we, we ate on the train um, he was very nice and um, we arrive I think at town hall and we walk to or we catch another train to Martin place and uh, they got a little storeroom down there uh, his boss called a little storeroom down there and we grab all the, all the buckets and all the you know all the brooms and all that and then we start our journey from Martin place we clean all the windows of the luxury of brands like Gucci, um, Hermes, you know, you name it, all the way from Martin Place to Taoho and Center. And uh, it takes maybe from 5.30, so 6 a.m. we start, maybe three hours until 9 a.m. when we finish. So whatever, he would just go forward and he put the soap on and he cleaned the window with the soap. And that was, uh, he, what he said was a more complicated part. And my part was simpler when I just go after him with another broom and I like kind of clean away the soap. I really enjoy it because it was just those early morning, you get to see the city, the Sydney city before the bustle and hustle, you know, and you just see the beauty of it. It was during winter too, so it's quite cold. But yeah, wow. I really enjoy it. <laughs> you definitely had your fair share of hard work, I can see, and so valuable because then, yeah, you get to this point now and you look back and see, like, I have come so far. I'm sure you tell yourself that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like I said, appreciate the value of hard work and appreciate that all those windows that we see was spotless clean for those luxury brands or some of us are very lucky to go in and uh, shopping there that have people that look after those windows or something mm. like that. So yeah, I, I really enjoy and appreciate that. It was well paid too. Probably after we divide up, it's probably $22, $23 an hour too. So yeah, so after that, back into the gong, I got a, a job as a waiter at a sushi train restaurant in Wollongong. So like similar to yours at a sushi, uh, it was called Sushi Bike. So I was working there for quite a long time, maybe two years, two years and a half. During my second, third year and final year of university degree, I was working there as a waiter. 
it was quite well paid at $17, $18 an hour. But on Saturday, you got weekend loading. At, I think on Saturday, you got paid $20 an hour and Sunday, you got paid $25 an hour. Oh, wow. Even though it's a sushi ration, but the expectation is really, really high about the quality of, of your work, but also uh, they pay very well as well. So uh, I really like that. I worked there for like almost three years. So after that job, I got the job in uni from Chang <laughs> when she moved on to her uh, part-time or her internship role in the accounting firm. And uh, she introduced me to Wollongong Uni and get me in to be a Vietnamese liaison officer as well. I was working there for probably one or two years as well. So yeah, thanks Chang for the, <laughs> for the recommendations. No worries, but then your hard work got you there because you still have to send through your resume and had an interview with the manager. So I helped you, but you like helped yourself more to get that role. So good on you too. Thanks, Jan. And I uh, I still remember our first day when you sit with me and you kind of train me uh, through how to make a call to the students. And yeah, it feels like this yesterday, right? And uh, it made me realize how far we have come. Mm, yeah, I still remember that day and I still have that notebook where I wrote down notes of what I need to train Kevin today. And <laughs> <laughs> so definitely good times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and like Chang said, uh, the role is just making phone calls to students who receive the offer from university, preferably from our home country, which is Vietnam. And I enjoy the part where I get to talk to all those students and I get to share my personal experience living and studying in Wollongong because um, I personally believe uh, between academic results and the lifestyle in general, I believe Wollongong is the best place for you to study and, you know, to live your university life. That's why I, during that role, I was so passionately in in sharing my experience with the students and hopefully that helped convince the majority of them to accept their offer and study in Wollongong as well yeah because I I think I I kept in touch with a few that I Mm. actually spoke with when I was working in that role and then yeah we still keep in touch now so it's really good to see their journey and I think because both of us worked in that role it sort of fueled our passion to move Mm. on to this project yeah, definitely. Uh, some of the contacts you met could be your friends when they arrive in Australia and be students of Wollongong or be student of your university. So that's definitely a plus. So from that role, I got referred by our boss back then to another role in uni, which is casual admission officer. So the main task of that role is to assess the students' applications into Wollongong University. Not really assess in a way of uh, do they meet the mark or not, but assess in the way of do they have all the required documents or not. You know, so we just go through. If they're missing some document, we send them an email, say, hey, can you uh, supply this document so we can proceed with your applications? I enjoy that. I get to see the insight of how the university um, sought through students' applications and how they assess their application and get them in the uni. So it's more like a role where I see, I can see the back-end work of all of that before it gets to my previous role of being a liaison officer where I call students from those applications that got accepted. So I was working in, in uni for those two roles for probably two years, and I really enjoy it, yeah. 
So uh, I think that's um, the end of my uh, casual work profile because after that, it's just I just move on straight away to my my first ever full time work. Well, it was really good to hear about your very varied work experience, Kevin, and you've pretty much like tested out like a few yeah. industries <laughs> and a lot of organizations, small businesses, and yeah, it leads you to where you are today. So you should be very proud of yourself. Thanks, Jan. That's why I recommend to all our listeners, all the future and all current international students to try out as many as you can different areas of work. So you have a, a, a broader perspective and you have a broader experiences for your future career as well. Okay, we're going to take a break and I'm going to be back this long. If I saw, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know it was going to be this long. And we're back. Um, so what, what's next, John? What are we going to talk about next? So now we're going to talk about what to look out for when um, you're applying or when you're working casually. And this is from what we gathered from our experience. So we really hope that this will be helpful for you guys and just yeah, for you to be aware of when you're out working casually as a uni student. So first, I want to point out the concept of minimum wages in Australia. Yes. So when I first came to Australia, I didn't know about this. I didn't know that there was a minimum wage that employers need to be paying you. So if they're paying you under this, then it could potentially be illegal. But when you're an international student, not everyone would know this and they would just accept the job because it pays regardless of how much it pays. So as of 1st of July 2021, the minimum wage in Australia is $20.33 per hour. Yep. And there are some exceptions because if you're a junior and you're under 21 of years of age, your employees don't have to pay you this amount. They'll just pay you a percentage of this amount based on your age. And as Kevin mentioned in his, in his example of work, working for McDonald's, every year on your birthday, as you reach a new age, the employer needs to pay you a higher wage. I think there's a table or formula that works this out. So if you're under 21 years, then you should look this up when you apply for a job and to make sure that they are actually paying you the correct amount of wage. But if you're over 21, then that means that your wage should be at least $20.33 yes. per hour. So just something to look out for. Yeah, and in the past few years, there's been an increased crackdown on employers not paying this correct amount to employees mm. so we've heard about big names big companies not paying their employees this amount yeah i'm sure we all heard about that 7-eleven got a big hefty fine because they um, underpaid their worker by a lot so mm. yeah there are a lot of examples like that and so you just need to be mindful about if you want to accept a, a low ball offer from any if it's illegal and uh, whether you can change it or not uh, either by talk to your employer or uh, if you can't change it then whether or not you should accept it or you should just look for another job yeah yeah and with our examples we definitely worked in jobs that paid much less than this and yeah, we weren't exactly. aware so yeah i wasn't aware at all of this mm. minimum wage and at the time you didn't really have much options anyway but yeah but now we know about this we just want to pass back the knowledge and say yeah there's a minimum wage allowance in australia and you should be mindful of it yeah so next is tax so tax is a quite complicated area in australia 
And we would definitely do a separate episode on tax obligations and yep. your how to launch your tax return and stuff in a future episode. But I'll just run through it quickly here. So if you want to work in Australia, you need a tax file number. So this is like a unique number that's linked to your personal identity. So when you want to apply for jobs, you need to apply to the Australian Taxation Office for a tax file number. And when you get a job with an employer, they will ask you for this tax file number because they need to report to the tax office how much they're paying you. And you need to lodge your tax return to specify how much you earned. And you may need to pay tax on your earnings if you reach over a certain amount. So But the, I want to emphasize an important point is that you uh, you don't provide your tax file number to anyone else except yep. your employer. And mm. Kevin, I think you have a point to add on this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This speaking from my own experience, uh, definitely don't ever give away your tax file number to anyone. Back then, uh, I was I think when it was in my first year in university, I was still very naive a, a friend of mine or I, i thought you know so i thought a friend of mine someone i know or someone know me just asked me if he can borrow my tax file number for his work because um i think he worked like over the certain limit number of hours allowed it and um back then i don't know why but i thought this could be no harm and because it's someone that i kind of um, look up to a lot so i, I actually just gave him my tax file number and thought there's no harm but Um, a few years down the track where I think he did not stay in Australia anymore and I found out that uh, my tax that year I have to pay back a lot of tax and I looked it up and then say there's a, a business in an area that I I've never worked there before and it has my name on it so I found out that it's actually him the guy who borrowed my tax file number and work and probably didn't pay enough tax through the business and now they demand me to pay back because it was my tax file number it got really messy because I have to call up you know the Australian taxation office to explain the situation and said that you know someone else actually got my tax file number and it was not me so really really I cannot stress this enough that you can never give away your tax file number to anyone else but yourself and your employer. And also even that part with your employer, make sure they lodge your tax and your work hours correctly. Because as I know, a lot of hospitality businesses, restaurants or cafes, they may ask for your tax file number, but because they may pay uh, their employees in cash, what they do is they may launch your working hours incorrectly to benefit the business itself but in turn you may find that you have to pay more tax come tax return time because it's in the system that you work more hours than what you actually did so make sure that if your employer if they pay you in cash and they ask for your tax file number or ask them to maybe have a record of what they launch as your working hours for your tax every week so that you will know that you know there's nothing there's no wrongdoing here and then you will not be disadvantaged and have to pay back more tax in the future yeah that's a really important point that you highlighted because it did happen to me so when i was working in my role at the sushi shop i gave them my tax file number and mm. i was naive at the time and i was getting paid cash 
And at the end of the financial year, when you need to lodge your tax return, your employers back then, they would give you a payment summary. So it basically reports how much they've paid you and how much tax they've paid on behalf of you. And you need yeah. to use that information to lodge your tax return. Back then, like I, they gave me this report and it showed that I've earned a lot more money than I mm. actually did. And at the time, I didn't know what to do. And luckily, I had a friend that was studying law. And this was like my first year of uni. So I had no idea about tax law or what tax is in Australia, yeah. how to even deal with it. And my friend, actually, he helped me. He was saying, no, this is wrong. Like You need to go back to them and say that I did not earn this amount and you need to correct it. So we actually went to talk to the owner together and say, you have to correct it. And they eventually did. Yeah, well, lucky. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really important point to highlight too, because when you're paid cash, the employers can definitely manipulate their accounting records to benefit them and it may not benefit you and it's wrong. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. These are all from our painful experience. <laughs> so yep. we hope hopefully through our own experience, it can help, you know, you guys to not make the same mistake or to watch out for all the, all the scam or all the, you know, the bad things out there. Mm. So you can avoid all this together, yeah. Yeah, and we learn from it, so... Yeah, sure, exactly. Mm. So um, what's next, Strand? What's superannuation you want to talk about? Yes, yeah, so superannuation. So in Australia, you have this concept of superannuation, which is basically the funds that is set aside for you for when you retire. Yeah. So... This is actually compulsory for employers to pay this on your behalf. As of 1st of July 2021, it's 10% of your, what they call ordinary times earnings, which is basically your wages. So if you're earning, say, $20 an hour, then the employer needs to set aside an extra 10% of that and put it into your superannuation fund. So what superannuation fund is, is basically like an organization that the employer deposits your super into and they the superannuation fund will invest that money in on your behalf and when you reach retirement age you can draw out that money so you can pick your own superannuation fund so you do your own research mm. or your employer may have a default one that they put into so for mm. all unis i think they, they use mm. uni super so yeah. if you don't specify a super fund the uni would just open up a Unisuper account for you and put money into that. So yeah. you should definitely check when you have a login, That definitely check that your employer is depositing money. However, there is a workaround. So I think if you earn less than $450 a month, your employer doesn't have to pay super on it. So there's that threshold. So if you do earn less than that, then the employer has no obligation to pay super. But if you go over it, then yes, the employer would need to pay that. So, and they need to pay that 28 days after the end of each quarter. So I highly recommend that if you have a casual job, you log into your super fund account and check that you've got, that your employer is paying super every quarter for you. And the other thing to be wary of is that when you're negotiating wages with your employer is whether your wages is inclusive or exclusive of super. Mm. So some people might say, yeah, you're earning $20 inclusive, inclusive of super. So that means that your take-home pay is 
90% of that and the 10% goes to your super account. So you actually don't get the money until you retire. So it's just an important thing to check. And if your wage is exclusive of super, your contract should usually say that it's your base wage. So that's not including super and then any super is on top of that. And also I want to highlight that if you work for not so proper um, businesses, they won't pay you super at all. So um, like in my first two jobs, I definitely didn't get paid any super Mm. because I didn't even know that concept existed. And recently they did have a crackdown on businesses not paying their employees proper wages and super. So, but I mean, some small businesses, it's hard for the tax office to crack down. So some employees may miss out like us. Yeah, definitely. Um, I believe my first couple of jobs, I probably... Oh, actually, no, sorry. My first couple of jobs was McDonald's. So I definitely, I got paid super with that one. Um, but yeah, definitely some of the restaurant jobs, when I was a waiter or kitchen hand, I definitely didn't get paid super at all. So um, yeah, so if you know, you know that it's your choice of asking the employer about it, whether you chose to, you know, do it or not, or if you uh, choose to say, uh, try to apply into other professions or other businesses, like say this fast food chain, for example, you, you are sure, surely you will be paid super. Yeah. So that's our lessons that we have learned from our own experience of what to look out for. Um, so next, Kevin, do you want to talk us through some tips on resume building and your interview skills? Yeah, sure. So I guess the part with resume, cover and interview for casual work uh, here is not as complicated as this part for your full-time work or internship or something like that. The key here, I say, is to keep it simple. So for resume, maybe limit it down to a maximum of two pages. Maybe if you can narrow it down to one page, that's fine. The key thing is you just need to highlight your skills and your experiences and in some case, if the casual work related to the uh, field that you are studying in, so highlight your education as well. That's the key to keep it simple and uh, get right into the point so that the owner or the managers of the businesses, normally they wouldn't have too much time reading your resume. So they want to see what are your skills, what are your experiences, and in some case, um, what are you studying so they can decide if you are right fit for the business or not. In some cases, um, highlight your extracurricular activities as well because uh, every business is like people to be like sociable and uh, a lot of business want people that are energetic uh, with high energy and can work very well within the team. So in highlighting all your social activities like maybe the university club that you join like the soccer club or yoga club uh, or running like students club. Um, it shows that you are a sociable person, outgoing person, and then you can work well with other people in the team as well. So that's definitely a plus. Yeah, definitely. So just keep your resume simple. And as you mentioned, these business owners are very busy. They just skim through your resume. So keep it short, concise to the point and make sure you customize it to each job you're applying for too. So I mentioned this previously in our internship episode, but it's applicable here. So if you're applying for like a customer focused role, then highlight your communication experience and your ability to deal with difficult customers and deal with high pressure. 
Yeah. So if you're applying for like a data entry role or an office role that doesn't require much customer facing experience, then highlight your ability to pay great attention to detail and yep. your ability to just point out all the very small details that other people may miss. So yeah, definitely customize it to what you're applying for. Yes, that's right. Tailor the resume. And a lot of the case, that's where the cover letter goes in as well, right? That's when you write up a nice tailor cover letter, stating out the experience you have that would fit with this role and the reason why you want to have this role. Also, the other thing uh, I'd say, and that tie in this next part about the interview part is like show your passion, enthusiasm and professionalism, but also show your flexibility because most of the case casual work, they require you to be flexible that you can pick up shift anytime they ask or, you know, cover up if somebody got sick. Everyone like a flexible team member uh, so they can rely on them in, uh, you know, time when they, when they are short of people, for example. So if they ask you, what is your availability? The best answer is actually I am flexible and most of the time I am, I am available to work. You can say it depends also on my uh, uni timetable. So obviously, if I'm in a class, I probably cannot attend work during that time. But I try my best to schedule my class so that I have as much free time as possible and as much flexibility as possible. If you give some answer like, well, I only available two days during the week, then probably you will not get a job. You know what I mean? So <laughs> if you can't work during the weekend because you have to play soccer or uh, for example you probably can't and, and and i'm saying this wholeheartedly because i'm a big fan of soccer and i play a lot of soccer during my university year and a lot of the time when i started a part-time or sorry a casual job i had to sacrifice the weekend to work instead of go and play sport because it's just something i i choose um, you know, in, in terms of my, uh, my work and support my living and study. So that's the thing. Be prepared to make those little sacrifices and be flexible and show your willingness to work for the employer so that they can uh, prefer to choose you over other candidates. I think you've summarized it very nicely, Kevin. Um, yeah, make sure to just really showcase your strengths and enthusiasm and Use the resume and cover letter and interview skills and experience as practice for your future professional roles too. Because when you apply for like graduate roles after you finish uni, you would have already like have your basic resume in place and you've already practiced a few interviews. And yeah, that adds to your portfolio too. So definitely a worthwhile experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely it. Yeah, I think that's all we wanted to say. Uh, but uh, now that we come to the end of the episode, Chan, I, I have prepared like a, a secret segment, segment here, okay? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so you remember like last time I got that secret uh, questions I asked you. Uh-huh. So again, I got you surprised this time, all right? So I got a, a secret question. So you, you, you haven't prepared and you have to answer on the spot um, and myself okay, included. Yep. So yeah, the question is, I just wonder, can you tell us what is your ranking, you know, what is your most favorite job? I probably not ranking, but what is your best job out of all your casual work that you do that you really enjoy? What's the best? Maybe you can give a first and a second. Yeah. 
That is not a hard question at all, Kevin. <laughs> I think I've sort of answered that along the way, but yeah, just to uh, reiterate. So I think my uni roles were probably like, mm. more de- well, definitely the best part-time casual jobs that I've had in my years of uh, being a uni student. If I had to pick one, I th- definitely the past leader role yeah. because I got to meet so many new students and new mm. friends and new past leaders. And it, it was my first taste of like working professionally and keep being respected. And yeah. I was able to attend like all those professional development opportunities. So Definitely, that was my favorite. And yeah. it was such a gratifying experience too, because I see students like, because they have to do student surveys after the sessions. And I would get like really good feedback and good ratings. And it makes me feel like really motivated to do that job. And after that, I when I just casually bump into one of my students, on UD campus and they'll say thank you for your help I got a really good mark on that subject so you contributed to that so yeah it was a really heartwarming experience and that was definitely my favorite role and I think my second favorite would have to be the Vietnamese student liaison officer yep. role as well because I was able to hopefully be of some help to prospective mm. Vietnamese students in Vietnam because they would have very little idea of what life as a student would be like in Australia. So I was able to provide that insight for them. And yeah, my manager was a lovely lady as well. And I definitely learned a lot. And it's it's definitely outside of my field. Like um, I was an accounting student and here I was working in recruitment and marketing. So uh, definitely widened my experience. What about yourself, Kevin? Yeah, somewhat similar to you. I think my best job, I feel like, was the, the Vietnamese student liaison officer, which is I really enjoy the great experience of talking to future uh, students of uh, UW. And uh, I really enjoy the experience of sharing my personal experience living and studying in Australia and in particular Wollongong City as a, an international student. And like you said, it's a heartwarming feeling to uh, to see those students finally uh, you know uh, came to Wollongong and study and uh, achieve certain success and uh, it's just it's just really good to see that the people who you spoke with that you may be able to help them little along their way along their journey of being an international student in Australia so that's definitely a highlight in my casual work profile the second one I have a hard time um, considering this between the library one and the, <laughs> and the uh, window washing one. I actually decided my second spot would be the um, cleaning the windows of those luxury shops in Sydney because, I don't know, it's just a nice feeling of waking up early in, uh, you know, those uh, mornings in the winter and travel or like running through the streets of Sydney uh, with my friend and uh, clean all those windows it's just even though our job is not that was not that noble you know what I mean like if everyone thinks oh cleaning window you know it's just not noble but I really appreciate the fact that like a job like that could could give people the pleasure of like you know walking around the city and say like oh spotlights cleaning window and uh, it just you know one of those jobs that uh, taught me the value of uh, hard work and uh, the value of, you know, determination when you work hard, it gets me to the point of 
when we always say, I'm sure you hear this before, uh, everyone say like, do the thing that you love and then you will never work a day in your life. But then also another saying of, if you can't do what you love right now, then love what you do first. Then yeah, I think that is very true because I guess nobody born love, you know, doing something like cleaning window or working in a restaurant or working in a fast food chain. Um, nobody loves doing any of that. Or even if when you got a dream job, after a while, you probably fall out of love with it or something. So I guess the importance here is to love what you do. And once you love what you do and put your mind and uh, whole heart, uh, the effort into it, you will get much better at it at first. And then secondly, you will start seeing the beauty and the meanings behind your work and the value that your work brings to the society or the community and other people as a whole. So I, I really feel that uh, that job taught me that concept and I carry that concept with me ever since. And it helped me a lot with my current career now and the way I see uh, other work. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing, Kevin. I'm really impressed and by your ability to see the positive in what you do. And yeah, we definitely had some hard times behind us that we got here to where we are today. And as you said before, it's so, so great to re- reflect on what we've been through and appreciate what we have today. And we hope this episode has provided a really good glimpse into the casual work life in in Australia and gave students a little bit of a direction of what is available and what to look out for. Yeah, definitely. We hope that our own experience here um, can help you uh, as a guide for your own casual work uh, profile and for your own journey in Australia as an international student. And hopefully you enjoy your casual work like we did. And, uh, um, you know, a few years down the track, you may be end up like where we are talking about your own experience with, you know, newcomers, with future students yourself. So, yeah, that's definitely a plus. Thanks for tuning in today, guys, for our episode, um, our fifth episode. We're really glad that you follow and have a listen. And we would really appreciate it if you can give us a follow uh, in our Instagram. And also, we have a new Facebook page, Hey Chang. Do you want to yes, share that? Yes, we do yeah. have a new Facebook page now, which I'm very excited to share with you guys. So please have a search on us on Facebook and like and follow. So just search for the Koala Club Pod podcast or Koala Club Pod and we should come up and stay tuned, guys. Thank you. Thank you.